0: It's been a while since Raul's been here, but Raul is the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Golden Springs, Diamond Bar, California. God really transformed Rawls' life from an angry kid into a teacher and evangelist of the word of God. He's a Vietnam vet and he's a writer and he has an incredible hunger and thirst for the word and a passion to have people obey God's word. That's why I'm, I'm so excited to have him back here. Aral has been an influence on my life and I love him dearly. Would you please join me in welcoming Raul Reese? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a blessing to be here in Albuquerque back in 1982. My time flies. I remember Skip had a small Bible study, and we came uh, and did a crusade, and from that point on, we, you, you guess, became our home. Just really, uh, my wife sends her, her greetings. Uh, she has cancer. If you can keep her in prayer, she's uh, 14 years now with cancer, stage four. And The Lord has been gracious to us, and uh, she's still going to the City of Hope. And then with me, I have a situation in my own life. Uh, for the last 14 years, I have this situation where I'll be uh, teaching or I'll be with other people, and I have uh, these seizure. I don't pass out. But I can't speak and I can't read, which is really a, a real frustrating thing in my life. So if you guys can keep us in prayer, we'd be really appreciated. This morning, I want to thank Skip Heisick and his wife for just inviting me to be here. I went to see him. He looks good. He'll be back this next week. So really neat. Pray for your pastor. Really amazing. And this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take you to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. If you have your Bible. Luke chapter 16, and the title of the message is Making the Right Decision. You know, with all of our lives here this morning, you know, we want to make sure that we make the right decisions. When I got saved, I made the right decision to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, You know, my story, and my story has been, you know, all over, but at the same time, it's not my story, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all have a testimony, we all have a story. And, um, you know, when I got saved, one of the things that uh, really touched my life is the way God went out through my life and began to touch people that I never thought that I would be a pastor or an evangelist, never wanted to be a pastor. I'm a martial artist. I have my own Kung Fu school, and I started having Bible studies in that Kung Fu school, and it turned into a church. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. (laughs) And uh, it's been just a a long journey. Uh, It's been 40-some years now, I guess. Time flies so fast that we've been coming to Albuquerque. And it's been a blessing for me to be here and to be able to speak. But as I was in California, California, don't go to California. Man, California is bad. You can't drive. You can't do anything. Come and live in Albuquerque. That's the best place. (laughs) There There was a husband that loved his wife so much. Husbands, listen carefully. And uh, he thought, you know, it's her birthday, what should I buy her? So he went ahead and bought her a parrot. So he came home with this parrot on the cage and put it up. And uh, the next morning he goes to work and uh, his wife comes down the stairs and the parrot looks at her and says, You are the ugliest woman I've ever seen in my life. She became so angry. So when her husband came home, he said, you bought me this parrot and man, he has called me the ugliest woman in the world. Don't worry, I'll go talk to him. Takes my him sketch and begins to shake him. Says, have you ever called my wife? I'm going to kill you. So the next day he gets up, is going to work. And so he uh, leaves and the wife starts coming down and the parrot's standing there looking at her. He you are the most ugliest woman I've ever seen in my life. So she says, honey, Again he called me the same thing. Don't worry, I'll shake him up a little more so shakes him up. That morning she starts coming down the stairs and the parish standing very still. She's coming down. So he looks this way, he looks this way, and he says, You know. Cosmos <laughs> <laughs> be careful you don't do that. But this morning in our lesson, you know, I love this chapter because it puts us right where we should be. And the chapter is going to be leading with three people. It's going to be dealing with Abraham, going to be dealing with a rich man, and also a beggar. A beggar that has nothing in life. I mean, he just walks around the city, he's uh, looking for something to eat, and he comes to a place when he comes to this, this guy that had parties all the time at Richmond. You know, I just had a, about a couple days ago, one of the guys that I know, where I live, he's at Richmond, he lives way up there, and uh, he just found out, oh, I just found out that he went bankrupt. Imagine cars, houses, I mean, vacations, all these things. And now he's selling his house. He has nothing. And I'm always concerned about religiously where he is in the kingdom of God. Two R's, religion or relationship. I like relationship. There are so many religious people in the world. They think that by religion they're going to enter the kingdom of God. But the Bible says there has to be a relationship. And that relationship can only come through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When you got saved, when I got saved, what do we do? By faith, we accept Christ into our lives. And when I accepted Christ, it was all history. The reason I say that is because people were watching my life. One of my best friends is here with me. He's my assistant pastor. He's known me for over 60 years. And when he saw me change my life, not only did he come to know Christ, but what I did is I had a little piece of paper, that, like a little book, and I wrote down every one of my friends', friend, my friend's names, and I put the date when I started praying for them. And even the police department, those guys, they used to arrest me. I said, Lord, you're going to get these guys too. So I start praying, and all of a sudden I started watching one by one coming to know Christ. One by one. I wasn't really doing anything, but I was praying for these guys. And they started coming to Calvary, and they started seeing what I was doing. Uh, my chapel, you know, my studio turned into a chapel, so they would come, and they would get saved. So what goes on now, they, they get saved. A lot of them have died and have gone to heaven. And then I thought about my own family. You have families. What happens to your mother? What happens to your father? What happens to your sisters? What happens to your brothers, your aunts, your uncles, nieces, whoever it is? How do they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? I really believe that the only way is they got to watch your lives. They got to watch your lives. How do you behave? Who do you share the gospel with? And it's not by preaching, it's the way you live that people will come to know Christ. That's the way I saw these guys coming to know Christ my mom, my dad, my brother, my sisters. And I always stood back and I thought, wow, Lord, so many people need to come to Jesus Christ. And and that's why I'm here today. Not only for those of you that are Christians, but I wonder how many of you invited someone to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm on the radio all over the country for so many years. And my message has always been a concern for people, people that I want to see in heaven. One thing that I've learned is, you know, the Lord never forces you to come to know him. Never. He gives his Holy Spirit to you. As he comes along, and what does he do? He convicts people of sin. Things that you used to do, you can't do them any longer. Now, what I see in the church... Is that in the church, a lot of people come to church. They come on Sunday mornings. They come to hear the word of God. But when they leave the church, they go right back like the dog going back to his vomit. Or like the pig leaving the tub and going back to the mud. The Bible says they were supposed to be a new creature. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ Jesus, all things are passed away. All things have become brand new. So people watch our lives, and what do they see in your life? What do they see in my life? In this gospel that I began to read and to study, it really touches me. It touches me because there was a rich man that thought that everything was going to be okay. You know, he bought things, he invited people to his house, he had parties almost every weekend and then there was this little old guy or maybe young guy he was in the streets had nowhere to lay his head he was poor he knew what to eat the dogs would come and actually lick him and then he found a house in Beverly Hills one of these rich people that had parties you know in Israel they they recline on tables tables are low you sit on actually pillows and you recline so he found this home That he came to and he saw that there were parties going on. So he went to the gate and he began to reach into the gate from the table. The crumbs, that would fall and he picked them and he would begin to eat them. And the dogs would come and lick his face. I don't know what the rich man thought. But I know that in the scriptures, we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's why we're here. His love, His grace, His mercy. And then people, when you look at people, people ask the question, how many people die a day? How many people die a week? How many people die in a year? Well, let me give you some stats this morning. There are approximately eight deaths per 1,000 people every day. Every day. 151,600 people die each day. 6,316 people die each hour. 105 people die each minute. Nearly two, uh, nearly two people die each second. 55.3 million people die each year. Each year. So death is very presently before us. A lot of us here might not be here next week, next month, next year. And we don't, we don't really think that we're going to die. We think we're going to live forever in this world. But Jesus has warned us. He's warned us that some people are going to be in hell, some people are going to be in heaven. It is so easy to get to heaven, and yet so hard for people to go to heaven. Before Jesus died on the cross... He came into this world. There was a place in the center of the earth called Hades, Sheol, all these names that was given to it. And there was a place with a chaff or a pit, actually real deep, this little, uh, kind of like a canyon. On one side was those people that rejected Christ. On the other side were Abraham Bussam, where those people in the Old Testament had received the Lord and they died and they went there. When someone dies, he's buried. The body is buried, goes back into the earth. I I can't believe how many people will spend so much money on a coffin. Seriously. When the person is no longer there. People cremate themselves, that's great. But I think that we need to understand that once a person dies, the spirit comes out of the tent. We have a tent. And that body goes back into the earth. What counts is the spirit that is within in our, our lives, in our bodies. The spirit will depart from the body, the Bible says. This person by the name of Abraham, 2,000 years before he ever, ever knew Lazarus or the rich man, that all of a sudden you have here Abraham, 2,000 years before, he's now in Tarsus or Sheol. And he's there not only looking over all these people in the Old Testament, but this is a personal story where this young man or old person that was walking the streets of Jerusalem, and all of a sudden we'll see in a moment that he dies. Dr. Billy Graham says this on death. Death is the Christian's coronation, the end of conflict, and the beginning of glory in the heaven in triumph. Though the Christian has no immunity for death or from death, and no claim to perpetual life on this planet, death is to him a friend rather than a foe. The beginning rather than the end, another step On the pathway to heaven rather than a leap into the dark unknown. When a Christian dies, he goes straight into the presence of Christ Jesus. He goes to heaven to spend eternity with God. When a sinner dies, he goes into outer darkness into a place that Jesus calls hell. He calls hell. It must be horrible, it must be terrible to know people in hell. They thought they were Christians. They thought they would go to heaven. This is something that we need to understand as believers. Just because we go to a church doesn't mean we're going to heaven. The Bible is very clear on that. To become a Christian, you become a different person. You read your Bible, you develop, you grow in Christ Jesus. That's why this church is so awesome that you can come here and Pastor Skip can teach you the word of God and you can grow spiritually and develop and then you can go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. That's so, you know, the thing that I see concerning the scriptures. That there's a past life and there's a present life and there's a future life. Well, in this story, let's begin by reading the past life of these people, beginning in verse 19 of chapter 16. He starts with the rich man. He says, and there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple, fine linen, and fair suspiciously every day. You know, when you go to Orange County, you can go one of these malls, you can see people they're spending for a piece, actually for a, for a, a pair of a 100 to $300 a Levi think about that, just to wear shirts suits, all these things that so much money spent on self when you can go to I was going to say Kmart, those of you that are old you know what Kmart is (laughs) but you can go to any other stores Target, wherever, and you can buy probably, not the same thing but something cheaper, but it's clothes styles come and styles go if I were to keep my Levi's from the past and today and kind of rip up my Levi's and sell them for $100, I would be rich. And guys that are here, you know what I'm talking about. I go to these stores and I see these Levi's that are ripped up, I mean, crazy. You know, they pay $100 for a rip up of Levi's that maybe they're old, whatever they are. But spend, you know, to spend that kind of money Where it can be given to the Lord. The reason people can't get to the Lord is because they got themselves in trouble financially and they're paying 20% to the bank when that could be given to the Lord. It's about self, me, myself, and I. Well, we have a story here that should speak to our hearts because this rich man dresses classy, he has parties. I mean, they have drinking, eating, and then they have this poor man that has nothing in life. Only God. Only God in his life. He says in verse 20, that there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. He couldn't walk. He was laid at his gate. This is a man that... Has, has, I don't know, maybe some kind of infirmity where he couldn't walk. And he's hungry, he's thirsty. He comes to this place called Beverly Hills and all of a sudden he sees they're having this major party and they have to eat anything they want. Anything they want. Imagine how God must have felt seeing one of his servants hungry, sick, and have nothing not even people paying attention to him. When we as believers should pay attention to people that do not have. You gotta be careful also on the freeways because you have these people that are asking for money and asking for food. You know, who are real and who's not real? What I like to do is go buy them a hamburger, fries, whatever. I don't like giving them money because what happens, they buy liquor and they buy things that shouldn't be, you know, drugs. They shouldn't be buying. So before you give somebody something, make sure you know where your money is going. Make sure of that. Be a good steward of what God has given to you. If you're a good steward, then you can help other people and you can give to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so the church, the real church, can do things that wants to do concerning missions and other things. Here you have a situation. A rich man and a poor man Again, verse 20. He says, But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring, notice desiring what? Desiring to be fed. He was hungry. He was hungry. Crippled and hungry. With the crumbs that fell from the table. The pita bread held the crumbs falling down. Which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The dogs licked his sores. No medical attention, but the actual dogs would come and lick his sores. Probably infection. No food, infection, knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what's going to happen to him. But as the Lord looked at his life, the Lord already had plans for him, like the Lord has plans for you and for me. Look what God has done. Look what God wants to do. Look what God will do in the future if you're willing to align yourself with God's will. God's will is the most important thing. Don't do your own thing. Please don't do that. You'll miss God's chances and God's will in your life. One of the things that I like to do, especially Pastor Dale, he likes to go and visit the elderly. You go to one of these places where the elderly are sitting there, or you talk to a pastor that's in that home, and I've talked to pastors, and this is what they say, I wish I would have done when God spoke to me to do those things that I never did. Sorry not too late. Man, make sure you do what God called you to do now, not next year, not next week. You know, I mean, at this very moment, make sure you're going to do God's will. And here, God's will, not only for Lazarus to be where he is, and the rich man where he is, God is giving him an opportunity to humble himself. An opportunity to be a person that is giving and kind to people. He goes on. Verse 23, or 21. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked up his sores. Verse 22. So it was that the beggar dies. All of a sudden he dies. He's right by his gate. You see, what he was doing, he was actually reaching through the gate, getting those crumbs and feeding himself. And all of a sudden that night, not going anywhere, he dies at the gate. Right there. Can you imagine when you read the story that when people were going home, nobody stopped to see that he was dead? People just going their way. They didn't care. They only care about self themselves. They were used to partying all the time. But, check this out. Look what it says. Verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels... By the angels. Carried where? Carried to Abraham's bosom. Isn't that cool? To Abraham's bosom. Center of the earth, Abraham's bosom, a chaff or great pit in the middle. And on the other side is the place of torment. Place of torment. Torment. When the beggar is carried to Abraham's bosom, man, what a great welcome. You know, Abraham saying, hey, Lazarus, so good to have you here. And all these people from the Old Testament, for 2,000 years already, they had been dead. But being comforted. And now, another one, Lazarus. And on the other side, look what it says. But the rich man also died and was buried. Nothing about the angels. Nothing about the angels. Dead. Deluxe, can you imagine his funeral? In, in, in Israel, even to the present time, when somebody dies, they bury you the same day. Same day. It's incredible. So imagine here the beautiful, beautiful burial that he had because he was rich rich and yet when he gets to hell it's a different experience a different experience and i guess with each one of our lives my mom died in 93 i just buried her uh three uh, two years ago almost three years ago And my mom, you know, she was getting ready to die. I used to go see her. I would pick her up to go to church. And then after church, I would take her. She liked to go to the Winners' initial. She liked hot dogs. So I took her to hot dogs every every Sunday, you know. And so when when she was getting ready to die, it was a very moving uh, thing for my life, a very moving. Because I had abused my mom before I came to Christ. When I was in high school... When I went into the Marine Corps, came back from Vietnam, I was a mess. I was locked up for six months, locked up, because of what I went through. And my mom came to know Christ. And I went to her, I said, Mom, I want you to forgive me. Forgive me for everything that I've done against you. Excuse me. And, uh. She couldn't speak. So I held her hand, and she squished my hand. And I knew she had forgiven me. And maybe you're here today, and you've done bad things that you need to take care of with your family. This poor beggar, who knows where his family was? The rich man, who knows where his family was? But I know one thing, that when you become a Christian... You have to have a different attitude, a different life. We're supposed to be loving, we're supposed to be kind. And for me, it was very hard because of the lifestyle that I used to live, to forgive somebody. And you know, as a pastor, something happened to me that I was not, when people would get sick, I wasn't compassionate. When I went to see them, I would pray for them, but I wasn't compassionate. And one day, I went back to Vietnam to do a film called Taking the Hill, which uh, I found three of the guys in my platoon that I hadn't seen in 45 years. And it was a time one of them lost both of his legs. I carried his legs into the chopper. Other guys had gotten shot. And uh, it was just a hard time when we saw each other. It was just a neat time that uh, getting together and for them to be in my film one of them just passed away, the one that lost his legs. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, these guys, not only one of them, two of them have come to know Christ. But I thought, what's going to happen in my life because of the things that I did and today how God has forgiven me. And I had to forgive my, you know, to forgive my brother, maybe things that I've done to him. And and, and as I stood back, and even to the present time, I didn't have compassion. The Lord allowed me in Vietnam to get sick when I went back to do this film and to have seizures. I've had over a thousand seizures. I'm still here. And you know what? I accepted like Paul. I asked the Lord three times. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And I've accepted that. Here we see this, you know, here we see this poor man. The grace of God demonstrated on the rich man, no grace demonstrated because of his life and what he did. And what he did. Because he wasn't compassionate. He wasn't forgiving. And I had to learn some real heavy lessons in my life. Because so the things that I had done and things that I needed to go to my dad. You know, when I got saved the same week, I went back to my dad. And, you know, the be- week before that, my wife and I went to visit. I hated to go there because he would get drunk and he'd get not only violent, but he would start saying things he shouldn't say to my wife. And uh, one day he said that I picked up a butcher knife and I was going to cut his throat. And the Lord convicted me. And I had to say, and I had to say that I was sorry, that I was sorry, Dad. Through that, my dad came to know Christ. And it was a total different line, that when loving my dad, caring for my mom, my brother, my sisters. And when I read this story, and I continue to read this story, you know, of the rich, when he had the grace of God given to him, and he denied it. He didn't want it. So, verse 23 It says, and being in torments, notice where he is, being in torments, in hell. Hell, place called Sheol, the grave, the pit, Hades, Gehenna, and the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the end of Satan, his actual angels. And the Antichrist, a false prophet, and every person that never went to heaven, because it says this in Revelations chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. And the books were opened, and whoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire or called Gehenna. That's why I have such a burden in my heart for people to get saved, for people to come to Christ. A lot of times people think because we're Christians that we want everybody to go to hell. But that's not true. That is not true. Because the body of Christ loves people. And the body of Christ has come to that place where you know where you stood before you came to Christ. And where you stand today in Jesus Christ. And then he says again in verse 24. We're going to go back to 23. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. So Abraham's here, the torment's here, and he's over here looking across and seeing Abraham. He's being in torments. He's uh, whatever he went through. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't really be comforted in any way we're going to see in a moment. And he said to Lazarus, he says, in the bosom. Then he says in 24. And then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, son. It's too late. Too late. You're over there and we're over here. Imagine how drastic that, that is. To know that when someone dies and they don't go to heaven, we'll never see them again. Ever again. And being in hell, being in hell, before Christ came, remember I told you it was the place of Abraham's bosom, when he died on the cross, and then he resurrected three days later and spent 40 days with the disciples, and then he ascended to heaven. And 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came upon them and received the power. That before he went to heaven, he went below to shield And let captivity free Abraham's bosom. They were taken to heaven. And then hell became one major place. Where today people have five senses. They can see. They can touch. They can taste. All five senses are there in hell. Never, never to see the light. Never, ever again to see Christ. Never again to see their families. Better done. Completely, fully. And it says... And Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip his tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Plural, no, singular, in this flame. He was being tormented, not comforted like we'll see on the other side. He says, verse 25, but Abraham said, son, remember So he had a mind he could remember his past life. Remember that in your lifetime you received every good thing. You were rich. You were a millionaire. And likewise Lazarus' evil things, he had nothing. Nothing. But now he is being comforted and you are being tormented. You are being tormented. Man, when I read that, Lord help me Lord be with me Lord and beside this beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf Notice It's fixed here or a deep pit between Abraham's bosom and between the rich men there's a great pit where nobody gets there can cross over nobody here can cross over to the other side he goes on to say So that those who want to pass from here to, you says to the other side, you cannot. Nor can those from this side pass over to us. It's a done deal. Those that go to hell, stay in hell. Those that go to heaven, stay in heaven. This is why within each one of our lives, even to the present time, how we need not only to read, to pray, but to be sensitive sensitive to people i go surfing almost every morning there in san Clemente. i love surfing when i first went there 17 years ago nobody liked me nobody knew me and when i first stepped into the water and i had my surfboard i was standing to the left sitting on my board and these other guys were sitting all business guys on the right they wouldn't talk to me i never told anybody that i was on the radio never told me i was a pastor. I just kept quiet. I said, "Lord, how can I reach these guys out of here, bunch of seals? How can I reach these guys?" Real simple. The Lord told me, "Make hatsus and give them hatsus." <laughs> That's it. That's it. So I made hatsus. I took it to them. The next day, they said, "You want to surf with us?" Sure, I paddle out there and sit on my. I've been there 17 years, and anytime time any one of them have a problem, they paddle up to me, and they sit on their board, and they say, well, can you pray for me? Amen. See, there are opportunities. There are opportunities in your life, in my life, that people are in need, and you can tell them about Jesus. You can tell them about Jesus. And they have a will to get saved or not to get saved. Now here is this rich man that had an opportunity. Now he is being not comforted, but he is in pain. He's being tormented. And then on the other side, Lazarus is being what? Being comforted. Being comforted because of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, verse 26... As he said, and beside all this, between us you and uh, you and there in the great gulfs fix, and that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from that side come over here. So then verse 27. And then he said, Listen, he said, I beg you. Now he's begging. Now he's begging. He was always used to buying, you know, by his way wherever he went. He says, Now I beg you. Therefore, Father, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house. Wait a minute. You want me to send Lazarus to your house? Why? I have five brothers. I have five brothers. Listen, when you, when you have Christ in your life, like I told my brother and my sister's, God, not only at times, you know, maybe you haven't told your family about Christ. But man, there's television, there's satellite, there's, I mean, there's books. Nobody can say, I never knew about Jesus. Everybody knows about Jesus. Everybody. And when you read about Jesus or you see a poster of Jesus, you don't have to be stupid to say, That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And God gives you, at this particular time, men, they had prophets, they had Moses, which means they had the Pentateuch, they had the prophets, which you could read. You could accept and not only believe what the prophets say, what Moses said in the five books of Moses. But look at what he says in verse 28. For I have five brothers, that they are not, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Singular. Torment. He speaks of definite pain four times. Four times. torments, Torment. Four times in this chapter. Imagine... As you're sitting there and you're thinking of torment here, he's confessing. This is reality, man. I'm in pain. I am in pain. I am so sorry that I did what I did. It's too late. I repent. It's too late. There's no more opportunities. However however you're here on this earth... 30 years, 20 years, or 15 years, or 100 years. All those years, God is giving you an opportunity to know Him, to repent, to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you hear the voice of God through His Word, I've never heard the voice of God. But when I read, I hear the voice of God. What he wants me to do. What he wants me to do, not as a pastor. What he wants me to do as an individual person. How about you? How do you listen to the voice of God in your life? This person wants to conclude it. He goes on. He says, verse 29. And Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, notice that you can make a choice. And what and the prophets let them hear what it says. How are they going to hear? They're Moses and to the prophets. They have the Torah. They have the prophets. They're without excuse. Verse thirty. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes back to from the dead, they will repent. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. If somebody came back from the dead, I don't think that, you know, first of all, we wouldn't believe them if they told us. I don't think so. You know why? Jesus Christ came and died and rose again, and people still don't believe. People still don't believe. By the millions and the billions. Can you imagine the billions of people from the beginning to this present time that are going to be in hell, in the lake of fire forever and ever? And it's so awesome that we're going to be in heaven forever. There's going to be light. Jesus is going to be the light. No darkness ever again. No hatefulness. Only love and grace and mercy that God has given to each one of us individually. And so he says in verse 31, but he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rises from the dead, people still do not believe what Jesus said. The cross of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that's why I get in that position in my life. Because when I look at Jesus on that cross, it really moves me. That he died for me. And that he's coming back again for me. And how I thank him that he took me out of hell and he brought me into the kingdom of God. And that's the same thing he's done for a lot of you that are here today. And maybe some of you are in hell and you want to come out of hell. The only way is to repent and to ask Jesus by faith to come into your lives and he'll receive you. Father, I pray in your name, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, Jesus, and that in every way, Lord, in every way, Lord, that people would respond to you, Lord Jesus. And as we're going to worship, those of you that are young, old, whoever you are, it doesn't matter who you are, if God has spoken to you and you want to accept Christ, to get your name in the book of life today, for God to use you and God to speak to you, then you have to settle things with Christ first. And that is to come and to repent of your sins. So if you want Christ in your life, get up and come now. And then we're going to pray in a second here. You get up and you come as we worship.
1: Get up and come was born the precious blood of Jesus
0: he says if you confess me I will confess you it's not an embarrassing thing to come and know Jesus Christ you guys it's an honor to receive Christ and many of you here Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock on your hearts. And if you open the door, I'll come in and sup with you, and you with me. How much more can we want when he's offering himself to you? We're going to sing it again. You get up and you come, whoever you are.
1: Come now. Oh, come to the altar. Jesus to
0: come don't leave the same way you came here leave different that's why you're here today he loves you so much that he's not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance I'm going to ask these guys to sing it again you get up and you come like these have come come now
1: oh come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide
0: Else. You know who you are. You know what you've done. And you know that He will forgive you. Too much is given, much more is required. Father, I pray in your precious name, the name of Jesus. Lord God, that you be with these people, Lord. And those of you that have come, I want you to pray with me this prayer and ask Christ into your lives. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me, Lord, for all of my sins. I confess to you that I have sinned against you. I ask you to cleanse me, to wash me. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're going to give you guys a Bible right here. You see these guys to your right? We're right there, okay? They're going to give you a Bible. Awesome. 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 May the Lord bless you guys. May He keep you. May He watch over you. And pray for Skip and his wife. And pray for God here in Albuquerque to get all of Albuquerque. God bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Church. We'd love to know how this message impacted you. Email us at mystory@calvarynm.church. At and just a reminder, you can support this ministry with a financial gift at calvarynm.church/give. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Church.